Hello, heroes. I just wanted to extend a quick thank you to everyone who came out to this year's Gen Con. The best four days in gaming are made even better because of all of you. Our games, our panels, our meetup was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. I'm so excited about all the new things that are happening for the network, and I cannot wait to show them off to you. I could say so many more thank yous, but I actually say them during the panel too. So thanks for three years of one shot, and enjoy the panel. Hello, heroes! Hello, heroes! That's how we start Hello, things. Hello, cuties. That's yeah, how we yeah. start things. Yeah. This is not Valentine's Day, uh, <laughs> so we don't start with the Hello, cuties. That is the new tradition. <laughs> Thank you so much for making your way to this panel on Gen Con. I can guarantee there are much more interesting things to do. This is going to be a huge disappointment. <laughs> and, I mean, Jim described it as a trap. It's a trap. Uh, <laughs> a trap. So, Mel, if you want to open the bag of snakes, <laughs> the bag of snakes Release that are the the live snakes, that's great. Uh, I want to do a quick putting faces to voices, so we're going to go down the line and introduce everybody, starting with myself. I'm James D'Amato. I'm host of the One Shot Podcast. I co-run the One Shot Podcast Network with Cat Cool, and I also star on the campaign podcast. Uh, Co-star. As Bacta. <laughs> And Lenick. I started Bacta <laughs> and Lenick. Uh, yeah, okay. Great. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Kat Cool. I am the host of the Campaign Podcast, and I co-run the network with James D'Amato. I, that's about it. <laughs> Down the line. Abrupt. Hi, my name is Alex Roberts. I host the Backstory Podcast, and, and that's it. I do the show, and then I go to sleep. hard to hear you back here. Oh, sorry. I will start yelling. <laughs> this is Canadian yelling that you're hearing. <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. I'm uh, Jim McClure, of course, the host of uh, Talking Tabletop, as well as a uh, publisher with the game Third Act Publishing, releasing Reflections. It's on Kickstarter right now. Right if you have not backed the game, the door is right there in the back of the room. <laughs> Jim, i got to say, we we're not doing plugs, so you cannot say that Reflections is just $15. <laughs> uh, fantastic game that you can listen to the actual play of on One Shot right now. So, And the great thing is it's not a plug, it's a bit. Yeah. <laughs> a plug is admissible if it's issued as a bit. That's correct. <laughs> Uh, hey nerds, so I'm Megan Dornbrock and I run the Modifier podcast and I don't have any plugs or bits, so. Oh. Oh. No, it's good. <laughs> Travel's light. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm Johnny O'Mara. I play Lenick on the campaign podcast and have zero responsibilities on the network. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get that gig? Uh, they just asked. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. They said, we want you to have no, no responsibility. <laughs> Please stay as, far, stay as far away as you can. Yeah. Uh, cool. Hey, guys, we just knocked section one out of the park. <laughs> so. Thank you. We need constant encouragement. <laughs> uh, so now, now we're going to move on to section two. Guys, this panel is different than the panel we ran last year because... We have a lot more people here with us. Uh, this past year on the One Shot Network, we added three new shows. We added Backstory, Modifier, and Talking Tabletop came wow. in uh, third. I want right. everybody to give You're them a hand, favorite. please. Oh. 
Uh, we are so very happy to have these shows on our network. So happy, in fact, that we're not even going to let Jim do a bit before we make him suffer through applause. It was a really tough decision, like figuring out who was going to join our family, but I am so glad that these folks did. So first, Kat and I are going to check in with these hosts, uh, and we're going to ask them, guys, how you how you feeling? How's it going? <laughs> like right now? I feel um, great. You feel great right now? I feel terrific right now. Oh, I'm at Gen Con. Yeah. Alex, your first question... Uh, has your show turned out the way that you were expecting or hoping that it would? Backstory has turned out very, very different than what I was expecting. Um, I God, this sounds like I thought of it for before, but I didn't even know there were going to be questions. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, <laughs> well, you've literally yeah. had access to the summary of this panel for weeks. So <laughs> I know that wait, did we? Kind of made up. Every excuse. <laughs> Apparently, anyway. I was told this too. Yes. <laughs> but but for real though, backstory turned out very mm-hmm. very different. My goal with backstory was to kind of get to the person behind the game and talk about their history of gaming. How did they get into it? What's their personal history and how gaming is intertwined with their lives. And what I found out is that when you open a, an, uh, an interview with asking someone how they got into gaming, they can sometimes take that as like a cred check. And so they either get to boast about what edition it was that they started on, which is boring, uh, or they're like, oh, I'm super <clears throat> new to gaming. I haven't done that much. I don't. So I threw that kind of in the garbage really fast. And what I ended up doing instead is reading everything that my subject has ever written about anything anywhere uh, and asking them about their philosophy of gaming and the viewpoint and the mindset that they bring to their designs or to their organizing or to whatever work it is that they're doing in the game space. Um, so it's, I, I feel like it's still a pretty personal and kind of intimate show, but it ends up being a lot more, I don't know, can I say intellectual, I guess? But more intellectual than I was expecting, that was for sure. Um, it's also just been like, so much fun. Like, I love doing backstory. I love having these conversations with people. And I love getting to share those conversations with a much, much wider audience. I mean, how often have you had a really, really cool conversation at a con like this that was so great? And you just wish that someone else could have been there. You wish that, that you could have shared that with more people, especially people who don't get to come to these things, right? Because they're, they're tough to get to for a lot of people. Um, so getting to share that with people and then getting all the feedback from all of you listeners that people are enjoying it and getting a lot out of it or that they're hearing about systems or forms of play that they haven't heard of before. Like, oh my God, it's been like, it's been so much more satisfying than I could have hoped for, honestly. <laughs> That's so great to hear, Alex. And I, it's fascinating that the format change. I start my interviews that way as well. Like, what's the first game you played? When did you get into gaming? And I really didn't even consider that, yeah, it's it's sort of a cred check. Uh, most of the time, it's like people have been playing longer than me. So it's really, really funny to go like, oh, no, I wasn't gaming until I was a full-grown adult. Uh, so you've beaten me by several decades. Um, but- I have a follow-up question because you've recently done something that I find fascinating, which is you said that, like, you've wanted to change your editing to make it softer and kinder and to leave in more ums and uhs and pauses and breaks. Uh, and how's that been? going for you how, how do you feel like it's it, been it's hard to do i can get really like perfectionistic in editing and like i'm going to take out every pause so everyone's just speaking in a constant breathless motion um it's really tempting to do that to keep it entertaining mm-hmm. um so that's like a, that's a challenge that i'm still working on to keep it honest and keep it 
um, to keep it human and to have it just sound like a real conversation that we're really having. So that's an ongoing thing for me for sure. Cool. Um, all right. Uh, so with that, I'm, I'm going to take that first question down the line. So Kat, you. Oh, okay. Get, or do you want to? Well, I thought that we, uh, cause we had three questions and I figured we'd give one to each host so that we kept the time going. <laughs> we have an hour and a half. Oh, I thought we only had an hour. We have an hour and a half. Oh, cool. I spent the last five minutes preparing an answer for that question. Yeah, so, so go for it. Take it. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so same same question. Okay, we are going to go down the line. Um, wow, well, all right. So I actually just lied there. I had not prepared anything. I just to get out of the question. This um, is what your bits get you, James. No, it's terrible. Um, no, my I am a, a masterwork of execution, and I did everything exactly as I intended it. Right? Um, no, uh, talking tabletop has been um, really a interesting whirlwind experience. You know, I. I, I've gotten so many opportunities. This is going to sound selfish because I have gotten more out of that show than I almost feel anyone else could have. Um, as terrible <laughs> as that sounds, you know, it, it's I've had the opportunity to meet so many interesting people and really delve into you know into their mind, into their soul, and take just a little piece of it for myself. It's been great, <laughs> um, but it's led to amazing, wonderful things that have happened. You know, uh, I, I look at um, you know I, I've gotten now now two mentors within the industry, you know, one being uh, on, on the creative side of John Wick, of course, you know, who did Seventh Sea, and also did this little game called Legend of Five Rings, um, you know, and, and and the result of this show, just in that small little anecdote, is uh, I have this very vivid memory at a convention, uh, a catacon in, uh, in Ohio that we have every year, that uh, I have this very vivid memory of one night driving him back, and, and me and John Wick listening to pirate metal and headbanging, going, this was was this was my hero like i i get this this deep deep interaction with him and and to be able to engage on that level with this many different people also uh never start a weekly interview show that's a podcast i would never ever recommend to do that to yourself because pretty much my days are setting up interviews doing interviews editing interviews every day of the week so i uh, wouldn't recommend that but no uh, be, being a one shot it's been it's been wonderful uh, so obviously, Jim, your uh, move to one shot it was from another network. Uh, it was a total betrayal. Yes. <laughs> Get those RPG Academy people out of here. <laughs> I thought we had you adored for security, hun. Um, I, I obviously, I, I think RPG Academy uh, more so than any other network. They're close to us in. Just being friends, you know, we we really bonded with them when they came out to do our events, and constantly we're we're, we're talking to Michael about different things that we're planning. Uh, when you moved to One Shot, did anything change for you stylistically with talking tabletop? Was there a brand change for you at all, or did you just be like, my show is the product, my show is my thing, and I'm just going to keep doing my thing no matter where I am doing it? Uh, I don't believe there was actually a style change due to moving to one shot. There has been a gradual evolution in interviewing and learning how to talking to people and learning how to to get information out of them. Um, it's bad when I'm at panels. I talk very dry, so I apologize for that. But uh, the the you know uh, you, I have to keep finding new ways to ask questions to make people cry. Uh, and it's been it's been so much fun for those keeping score at home. We've had seven of forty three cry on the show, so I'm I'm, I'm happy. Happy with that number. Um, yeah, applause, <laughs> applause, the tears. Applause at the tears of the industry. Um, More tears for the weep throne. <laughs> 
So it's not that I've had any sort of stylistic change, but being able to, you know, pull on, on the resources that, that are Alex and Megan, of course, who also do interview shows, you know, the knowledge that James and Kat that you all have within podcasting, within interacting with people, you know, that, that mentorship has been in, invaluable and it's really hard to go like this specific thing changed. I think I've just become a better podcaster from getting to interact with the people here at this table with the exception of Johnny O'Mara. <laughs> <laughs> Whom he has not interacted with. Essentially, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let, let, let's move down to Megan. Uh, Megan, uh, that same question. Did did Modifier turn out the way that you envisioned? Uh, did it change? Was that good or bad? So I am actually really curious to go back and see what my original pitch was. Because I think the answer is mostly yes. Uh, yes, it is. It, it is become the show that I hoped it would be, but it has exceeded those expectations. Uh, I think when I was pitching the show, I was thinking... At a very uh, specific mechanical level, how do people change games? You know, wh- why are they doing that? And I'm also very interested in the creative process, like what drives people to take these things and make them their own. Um, but before I even got started is when I met Elsa Henry, who's on my first episode and is definitely one of my best episodes, my personal favorite episodes, uh, where we took a look at modifying games in a more general way for accessibility, games and spaces, and that opened me up to tackling broader topics than just, say, specific games, which we, we still do. I still do very specific games and projects, but I'm, I'm more open to these bigger interpretations of what it means to modify a game. So that's been incredible, I think, just meeting people like Elsa and everyone else in this community and working with Alex and Jim. Um, I'm more Alex than Jim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. <laughs> Yeah, no, it has been it's been amazing. So. I, can I just say how glad I am that all three of us kind of started our shows uh, at least on the on the network around the same time. The three of us, yeah. not Johnny, right? <laughs> like, we're clear on that. Yeah. Do you yeah, have a peanut I, gallery? I haven't listened to Johnny's show. I, I don't know too much about. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but seriously, like getting to getting to start all three of us together, and like especially me and Megan are kind like kind of newer to it you had a, you know I had a show before where it was very different and it's just been really really nice kind of working on our shows all three of us together and like collaborating a little yeah. bit but still getting to do very much have like creative control over our own shows it's been a really really nice like working balance it's been super supportive and helpful and Megan, for you, you uh, are new to podcasting like modifiers is your I, first I am a podcast. literal nobody. So, <laughs> no, not anymore, you baby. <laughs> I, yeah, it was it was a little daunting coming on being the only one who had not had a show before, uh, but it's been a really good experience. And there are there are points in my life where I can it's like an out of body experience, and I watch myself do something from a distance where I'm going, no, I don't, I don't think you should. Can you? You don't know how to swim. Please stop trying out for the swim team. What are you doing? Why? Why? So that was um, doing a podcast at least for the first few months. But it's it's been a really good experience. So yeah, and, and like backstory for, for Meg at least. Like Alex, I had listened to her on Tabletop Superhighway, and I just loved her energy and I loved her ideas. Uh, so. I wanted to steal her from them. And, and Jim, we, like, Jim had interviewed me for another project that he was doing, and we just connected so much in that interview. I, I knew that I wanted Jim to be for the network. And then Meg's pitch, I was just like, I like this pitch! Well, Meg, Meg came to us and said, 
hey, I heard that there might be the possibility at some point, and I don't even know where I mentioned it. It must have been in some offhand interview. I heard there might be a possibility at some point of you adding new shows to the One Shot Network months before you or I had talked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, hmm. <laughs> yep. do you want to know the real story? Please, please tell me the real story. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah let, me, let me explain this to you. No, it was at this Gen Con panel last year. Uh, my boyfriend Dan was at, and he's around here somewhere. Um, he called me or messaged me or something to tell me that he had gone because we both listen to the shows and we liked them very much. The interpretation that we got was that you were looking for some help, uh, not shows, but more behind the scenes stuff. Mm. Um, and I went, Oh, I could do that. <laughs> like, I know how to website. That's my jam. Uh, and you're like, Okay, I'll put you on a list. And I was like, Cool, cool. I'll hear from this. And I got an email that said, hey, we're taking show pitches. And I went, oh, no, he misunderstood. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to send an email that's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you meant this thing. And I was like, I'll get to it later because I'm real bad at email. There are some people that I still owe emails to, and I'm so sorry. Um, It's okay. I think literally everyone but probably Alex and Jim can say that. Johnny, I I don't think you have any responsibilities to receive emails. No, I I I don't have an email address. (laughs) (laughs) But when I got around to it, I woke up the next day and I was like, what if I wrote a pitch? What if I did that? Well, you should give us a great pitch. And uh, I remember like us going through the pitches and I was like, I like this pitch. And uh, but James really liked Alex's pitch and we like thought about them and then we were like they're bi-weekly shows why don't we just have both shows yeah yeah exactly and and the reason i I sent that email to meg is like so few people have the confidence to like ask for things and i was like here she is asking to be part of the network and i'm like okay you have no podcasting experience the only thing i can see is that you're a really good graphic designer just show me what you can do and what could she she can do is impress cat so uh i think it worked out super great i'm so happy to have you on the network uh johnny you're at the end of the table there and most of these questions are directed at new hosts but uh you you have your own podcast, Dilettante Ball. Oh, sure. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is, this is like, Campaign has been your second podcasting experience. That's true. That's true. I, no, no insult to Dilettante Ball because it is oh, a bring show em, that bring I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the, it, you were exposed to a much bigger audience with Campaign. Like, way oh, bigger absolutely, than absolutely. we anticipated. How, how has that... How have you dealt with that? Like, It's weird, actually. Uh, Dilettante Ball is... It's just like a, a dumb thing that I do with my friend, and it's more it's more a chore than, than anything else. And it's just something that we both love to do because we just like to hang out, and it gives us an excuse to do that. So to be making something or being part of something that people actually listen to is um, – it was a very strange shift because I, I sort of – since people have started listening to me, I found myself shifting the way I – behave on on air um because i think that i was behaving in a way that was not bad but um maybe not conducive to people listening which is why people didn't i uh, you know i i will i will say like i felt the same thing yeah um, and, and it's and like not even just in myself but in all the comedians that we hang out with like doing the overshare it's the same thing where we would make jokes or like go on tangents that in a room full of comedians who all have the universal understanding that we're here to do comedy and entertain each other 
that should not leave those rooms, and most of those words should not leave your lips. Uh, so, like, having an audience that continually holds us to higher standards of behavior in public, like, has really changed a lot about my outlook on that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it was basically a shift from doing something just for myself to doing something that other people would be interested in and doing something for for other people to listen to rather than me to just be like man I'm funny <laughs> <laughs> um, second question uh, what have been the challenges that you've encountered like since has it like dealing with us and dealing with the equipment you know like just the what's been tricky I think the only like real challenge that I've faced because you guys are so unbelievably supportive and I love doing this show Wah. so much is when uh, when I first started uh, Backstory, before I was doing it, um, they sent me a bunch of audio equipment because my audio equipment was very bad. Um, and so they sent me this, all these boxes of stuff that started arriving, and I was like, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> I don't even, where does it go? I felt like a monkey. It was awful. <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure I put it together right. It's in like a pile, and there's a microphone sitting on top of it. You use it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and uh, and if you listen to the show I was on before, uh, TTS is awesome. Everyone should listen to it, um, even though I'm not on it. But uh, you you will notice a slight increase in the quality of my audio overall. I think. James Damato is a monster. <laughs> a bad man. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, hard agree. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, um, you know, from from in network, we we have a you know such a a wonderful support group, and we have you know sort of multiple layers of support. You know, there's the the three new shows that we've sort of all all banded together. Um, you know, and and made our own little. You formed second watch. We, yeah. we formed second watch. We decided to copy what what the actual <laughs> people were doing. Um, and and do a show, and and it, it's been wonderful to be able to to share ideas, to be able to you, you know have that as well as have. Have, you know the the leadership and guidance from James and Cat to uh, you know really when it's like hey I don't know what I'm doing here uh, and of course Demata knows that a lot from me as I approach him constantly with like a hey like I have this crazy thought and I have this crazy thought and all of this and and being able to to have someone that's been there who's been in the industry for a long time and be able to to talk with has been completely invaluable so um, I think the biggest challenges that have been faced don't have anything to do with within network. Um, but it's, you know, um, you know, for my aspect that runs the, the, the weekly show, uh, I need to provide you all, the ones sitting here, an interesting dynamic conversation with a member of the industry every single week that can't get old. Mm. How do you go about achieving that? Mm, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and that's why I referenced earlier to, you know, an evolution in, in, uh, quality of, of myself and interviews. It, it's, it's learning how to interact, how to engage with people differently, how to, how to bring out different stories. Um, you know, every, everyone has, their own stories. You know, I, I joke it almost a joke at the beginning of the show. I go, why are you the notable personality? And you all who've listened to my show have probably heard it. Like everyone, Monty Cook goes, I'm notable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, wow. the, the, the actual secret is that every single person, you know, up here on this panel, every single person sitting in these seats, the 80,000 people that surround us and the 7 billion people that surround them are all notable people and they all have stories to tell. So the biggest challenge to me has been to get those stories out of people. Yeah. Answering email. <laughs> Answering email. <laughs> <laughs> Megan wins. Yeah. 
I mean, she's so right. <laughs> you just don't she's have so an email right. address, and then yeah. you don't have to worry. There you go. I'm deleting my email address now. Donnie, what's your biggest challenge? <laughs> uh, no, you, uh, did you have more? Did you have more? Um, uh, I think a little bit is that getting used to the interview process, I guess. Partly getting used to the physical equipment that arrived at my apartment, mm-hmm. and I went, what do I, how? I'll figure it out. We didn't give them, like, <laughs> yeah, we're no, you, it's not that it's complicated. I did try and train them yeah. at Metatopia. At Metatopia, yeah. But they never, like, because you were being trained by a monster. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I, 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 I can't remember who it was, but I waited for like 30 minutes being like, all right, I'm going to train them soon, I guess. <laughs> but and it's then, a Metatopia. Yeah, it was no, at Metatopia, cool. but like... It's it's There's not... audio equipment. I don't think it's that it's complicated. I think that it's I've never held equipment worth real money <laughs> and you're just I don't want to break this the training was good uh, no no that, it wasn't James D'Amato is a monster <laughs> a little bit that and getting used to the interface so I do my interviews online through uh, either Zencaster or something like that. Usually we don't do a video hangout either. Mm. Um, so getting used to the interface, getting used to keeping track of all of that stuff technically, but also being present in the interview. I know in my first few episodes, when I went back to edit, I would hear things now that I could finally like really, really listen. And I'd go, you missed a follow-up question, like a really good one that I'm dying to know right now. And, and I didn't think about it because I was too busy trying to get through my outline and make sure we were on time. And I think that's something that I'm getting better at. But um, that's yeah, that that's been difficult. So that was my real answer. And, and Johnny, do, do, do you have any big struggles? Uh, no, I just show up and have fun. <laughs> uh, the the biggest struggle recently was when we had like our party split because I yeah. just didn't get to see everyone together. Yeah, and, like sucked. I didn't I didn't see JPC for like. Six months. That, and I don't think people have the story there. It was like we knew we weren't going. James was going on vacation. Yep. And we weren't going to. We were going to have to release an episode, um, like two episodes, that we were going to have to schedule something or just like miss a chunk of time. Um, so we had to do something. The thing that made sense was to split the party and because their schedules would not line would up right not before. line up over the holidays, and then like. Around two months of of that was what made sense, and then it was six months later. Yeah, like, um, yeah. But but genuinely, it's just it's just been great because I just get to show up and like play a fun game with my friends, and and then I don't have to edit it or anything. <laughs> yeah. I want to get that gig. I'm telling you, just wait and they'll ask. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm holding on next question <laughs> until they ask. But but like for real, like on that point, um, there's there's challenges when you do a project like this, and it's a ton of work. But like having you two to like stop, always stop, look stop, for please, everything, uh, and like anytime we need anything, they're just like so there. They've been so supportive. They're like uh, like you know I wouldn't be able to be here without their support. <laughs> Are we the crying part? Can we do that? Yeah, you, that's yeah. how this works, right? Yeah, it's tears, many tears. Yeah, there we go. Bring on the tears. So, Bring on the tears. So, like, seriously, it's, like, the opposite of challenging to have uh, a show on this network versus trying to do something like this on my own. Can I ask a question? Oh. 
Alex makes Cat cry. Does that count towards Jim's interview count? Absolutely. No, 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 I like this system, but I have been counting all of all of uh, Linux tears. Though. So, that's that's, a, I, lot that's a lot of tears. I know, yeah. I know. This thing is Linux tears right here. All right, and, and this is, I think, going to be a fun, tears quick question for everybody to answer. What, yeah. what do you think has been your biggest success that you've seen? Just one, yeah. Days? If you can pull this out, it doesn't have to be in order. Just oh, it does. It? Oh boy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how I would define success. Mm. Like I, I have certain episodes. I'm, I'm, I'm happy and I'm proud of all of my episodes and all of my interviewers, uh, all my interviews. <laughs> I'm, I'm particularly proud of how certain episodes turned out, or I'm, I'm particularly proud of, for example, the Sarah Lynn Bowman episode. Oh my God, it's um, my favorite one, Alex. She, it's she's my favorite one. Like she's just one of the most brilliant people I know. I feel like I could do 10 more interviews with her um, and it was such uh, such an honor to get to speak with her and and to have some of her brilliance recorded I, I consider I, I don't know like when whenever someone comes up to me at something like this or I get an email from someone who just says that they really enjoy the show and it's like a nice part of their week or like that if they or that they learned about something oh no I've got it I've got it I've got it <laughs> anyone who tells me that they tried LARP because of my show mm. that to me is yeah. the greatest success that I it just like just yeah, I get really emotional. I I, I love that. Cool. I like this game called Legend of Fire. <laughs> Damn, what? What's that game? I've never. I'm not familiar. Legend of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> to to me, uh, Alex doesn't have favorites. I have a ranked from one to forty three. No, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, but no, I, I do. I do have a favorite episode, which I apologize because I think at my head count, like, eight of my interviewees in the show are in this room right now, and it's none of you all. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, my, my absolute, my absolute favorite, um, and, and I think it really defines what my show is, is the John Zinzer interview that I did. Um, John Zinzer, for those who haven't listened, he is the CEO, CEO of AEG, which is a bunch of letters. He's the guy that sold Legend of Five Rings to Fantasy Flight. Um, and and I got to sit down and talk with him shortly after that sale took place. And we got to to capture stories as they were raw, as they were happening, while the emotions are still real. You know, L5R made Johnson's or the man he is today. It, it, it paid for his house. It put his kids through college. That series made his company relevant for 20 years. Together with that, we got to then capture some of the history that is quickly being forgotten of what happened in this industry. Um, you know, did anyone know that Five Rings Publishing actually purchased TSR to sell it to Wizards in that big deal? No, this is this is this is industry knowledge in a in an industry that is young. I mean, aside from a few people, almost everyone that was around at the inception of Tabletop is still alive. In ten years, that's going to be a lot less. In 20 years, it's going to be a lot, lot less. Being able to capture and document the stories from the history of our industry and how it came to be uh, is one of the secondary goals that I have of Talking Tabletop, and I feel that that episode very, very much highlighted that aspect of it. Cool. And Legend of Five Rings. <laughs> 
Uh, I think my biggest success so far has been that Patrick O'Rourke hasn't murdered me. (laughs) (laughs) He does that. Yeah, I send him regularly my episode at like 2 in the morning, which is not good. Don't do that. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's, It's hard to pull out like one specific success because I feel like it's it's definitely not just me. I have so much help and so much support and so many cool people who want to be on the show and are, and they, they are what make it what it is. Um, well, then, instead of that, let's frame it differently. Yeah. What's a moment that made you happy because of the show? The like, something thing. that you did um, through that that really resonated with you. I am really proud of our first episode. I think that a lot of times when people talk about podcasts, you know, they think, okay, you can start on the first one and it'll get better eventually. I think I think I may have started out, like, too strong. <laughs> 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 uh, but it's it's such an important issue to me, um, the accessibility issue, and Elsa brought such good information that I love when people like, people even now come back and say, I finally like, I listened to the first episode and I didn't think about this stuff before, and it's it's been really helpful to me and to my games and to my players that that's like yeah that's my cool moment <laughs> cool and, and Johnny what, what, what's some moment of happiness that uh, that you've gotten through uh, just recording on campaign oh gosh all the naked pictures of Lenik yeah <laughs> I mean that's like just the 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 absolute craziest thing. It's, it's so really cool. it's so wild, and um, I love all the different interpretations of Rodian penises. <laughs> um, but also, it's it's been it's been great just like getting to meet people at the at the few uh, events that I've gone to. Just getting to meet people is is wild and so so much fun, so cool. And also getting uh, honestly getting to spend time with you guys because I didn't I didn't know you, Cat, until we started playing. Um, and I I knew JPC, but not very well. And and now um, I consider one of you my friends. <laughs> it's JPC, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Cool. Very cool. All right, so since we put you guys on the spot with some of those questions, uh, uh, hold, 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 hold on, Ava, we need to we need to have a break here. Thank you. Sorry, uh, you're on duty. Uh, no, it, it is definitely time for an ice cream. <laughs> yeah, social. it's Saturday. We're allowed to have ice cream. Pardon us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I really hope you bought enough for everyone. Oh, absolutely not. Only those that are willing to participate in Ice Cream Social. <laughs> uh, that looks melty and horrifying, so... <laughs> uh, There's a lot of questions that showed up just then. We're, we're, we are not at the question section yet. I, I will tell you when we're there. Um, because uh, we put you guys on the spot, and you are all three interviewers and Johnny O'Mara... <laughs> We we wanted to give you the opportunity to uh, put Cat and I on the spot and ask us a, a question. How dare you? <laughs> what the um, hell were you thinking? <laughs> that one, yes. No, like for real. I mean, I I like I was doing the show TTS and I really felt like I had kind of wrapped up and I kind of said everything that I needed to say on that show and I was just feeling like quite like contentedly done with it, but also like oh you know I really loved having this project and everything. And then at that second, I get this email from you guys. I like your voice. <laughs> I mean, no, it's more than that. I hope you're ready for this. I found you inspiring. Um, I, I, li- listening to Tabletop Superhighway, like, 
I had had one experience with LARP in my entire life, and it was Vampire, and it was miserable. (laughs) And you opened this world to me that there are these games out there that are intellectual exercises. There are games that are social experiments. There are games that can change you as a person. I saw that world. I never knew it existed. I never would have given it the chance. But here was this passionate person who every week came back and just casually talked about these amazing things that she had done. And I knew that, like, first of all, yeah, like there, there was your voice. It's the coolest voice for podcasting. Thank you, James. But like, <laughs> I knew that if, if you were out there as a person who, who was working in podcasting, working around games, I knew more people needed to hear from you because... I don't like bullying. As, as a practice, it, it really grosses me out. And one of the things that I like least about tabletop games and the community of tabletop games is there is this instinct that people have to look down on LARP and create a hierarchy where what we do is okay, sitting around and pretending to be dwarves and, and elves and whatever at a table, and that's fine, but as soon as you're standing up, it's not okay anymore. <laughs> and and very true. and that and that LARP is just that is that it's just pretending to be elves and dwarves and and not uh, really <laughs> taking yourself outside of yourself and imagining what it's like to be a person in a different strata of life who, who's going through a overwhelming amount of problems that you don't think about, and that is so cool. So I needed what we what we're doing with one shot. We want to make games more accessible. You are the physical embodiment of someone who makes games more accessible, so we needed you. We needed you. Thank you. I should not have asked that question. (laughs) (laughs) So I get Megan's tears now, right? Oh, yep. Pass Megan's tears. Um, the other thing that I'm just like totally gonna throw out there because you got me all vulnerable now is that when I was younger, a lot of people told me that, um, my voice was really high pitched and squeaky and like annoying. Like I heard that a lot when I was younger. And so just the fact that everyone wants to listen to me and says like how much they enjoy the show and that it, it's just relaxing and like nice. Like I love hearing that. I love hearing that all the time. <laughs> Good. Uh, Jim, I believe that passes to you. Do we all want to hear a hard question? Ooh. Yeah. 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 Let, let, let's have a real question here Dang, for a second. Dang, right okay. This is a question we've never talked about. Jim's cutting a Ooh. promo for his question right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, small, small amount of backstory. Uh, oh, I can't use that term, can I? Um, <laughs> Copyright me. Small amount of talking tabletop. Small <laughs> amount of talking tabletop here. Uh, one year ago, huh. to the date, at yep. this panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sitting about five rows in. Let's see, right about where Total Party Thrill is. Yeah, I see you. And and James, you 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 pointed me out, not directly, um, but you said you were thinking about expanding the network. Interestingly enough, that was probably the conversation that got back to Megan, uh, as small of a world as it is. Um, and you said you were you were talking to people, even people in this very room that I am staring at right now, as you were staring me down. And I was like, what is going on right now? Um, my hard question to you actually is after that we we talked about me joining the network and you said no. Yes. Right. Why did you say no and what changed? Uh Chad, you want to take that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it wasn't at least did 
Did you say no period? No, I said not right now. Yeah, so it was a not right now. If it's going to be a pointed question that feels emotional, I have to phrase it in the way. <laughs> oh, okay. I have to phrase it in the way I heard the word. Gotcha. Well, I mean, if we want to phrase it that Let way, me. it was, fuck you. <laughs> How dare you speak to me? You said that to me in the production meeting last week. That's how I say hello to you, Jim. It was a no, not right now. Because uh, we are interested in growing out the network in a way that brings diversity to the table first. Always. So uh, we brought Alex and Megan first. Uh, that's the next time we grow the network, we're looking for people of color. Yeah, there are a lot of white people up here, huh? Yeah. Let's be talking about diversity. But yeah, we, we couldn't add Jim to the network and have the third voice that we put on our network just be a, a white dude because it's not living up to the standard that we set for ourselves. Yeah, that's like I, I just couldn't. I couldn't. That's like, I met you at really, I met you at Gen Con last year and we hit it off. Like that was about the best part of my Gen Con because I was in migraine hell before I was really starting to think of treatment at all. I was just like in a, a terrible hovel and you came and interviewed me and then we stuck around and talked for hours and it was really, really cool. Um, and I was like, man, that guy gets storytelling. That's neat. That doesn't happen. And I knew I wanted to work with you, but we couldn't have you on the network. Um, and then we had a, once we had a plan to have the ladies on the network, it was like, oh, now we can talk to Jim again. Uh, and then it was like almost too late and you were just going to go off and do your own thing. Uh, but luckily, we got you, and you're stuck, and I you can't betray, ever leave. I love betraying networks. I would be careful about me never leaving. <laughs> Toucan Network, rumors, rumors. Meg? So, uh, you're welcome, Jim, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, that actually leads into the question I wanted to ask, which was, what do you see the network becoming what do you what do you want to do with actually, it actually that's an entire that, section of this a, panel if i had read anything <laughs> god damn it if any if literally any of you had read that was it literally it? any of you you also what? have to read the emails <laughs> no that doesn't happen i no. said it in the google calendar no i told you about it physically as humans james i'm not even really listening to you right now that's, like <laughs> that's how me and alex answer so many emails we don't actually read them we just answer yeah. them boom Yes. <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> uh, you could do it. The only other questions I know how to ask are about Jim's homeschooling, so. <laughs> we have a panel later on that. Okay, yeah. So after we finish our L5R seminar, yeah. yes. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, we'll I, do homeschooling. I have another question that isn't uh, just like totally self serving. Um, uh, what, do you have, guys have any? Do you guys have any regrets about the network, or do, is there anything that you haven't done, or that you wish you had done differently? And how have we fucked up? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'd say mostly right now it's related to the Patreon mm -hmm. um, and how we are struggling with fulfillment on a lot of things. It's the first time we did something like that. And people had, had warned us, you know, hey, don't do physical rewards if you can avoid it and stuff like that. But it's one thing to hear somebody say that to you and then to actually go through it and realize, oh, Jesus, yep. <laughs> it's hard to do that. And finally, I feel like we're, we're getting into a position where we're making it work. But it was it was a lot of it was a lot of trial for that. And not everybody hung with us through that. And they had no reason to no reason to. So 
I, I think like we're coming out of a stormy period and going into next year. I'm very excited about some things and we will talk about those things later on in this panel. But yeah, I, I feel like the people in this audience, the people who are listening at home have given us so much, uh, whether it's their time or their money or their enthusiasm through connecting with us at cons and social media. Uh, and I feel like I haven't given enough yet. And I'm sure there are people in my life who could assure you that I, I work entirely too much, but I, I definitely think that I want to, I want to do more if I possibly can. I think that we're really bad at sh- structure in terms of like, um, our website's not the best. Like, Pat does am- amazing work throughout. He's all of our infrastructure and like the backbone of, um, getting the episodes up, you know, that, He's amazing at all of that, and he keeps the website up. He does all of those things, but we haven't asked for help in terms of... We might need someone to manage communications. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. And it, we just haven't gone... We haven't said, maybe we need someone to manage communications, because we can't... We don't do it consistently and well. And, like, between the two of us, James and I can write a competent, well-thought-out articulate, spell-checked newsletter. But it takes two of us to do that. Um, and we can't... Newsletter. Email. <laughs> like email. We, we can't do that. It takes two that. of us to write an email. And <laughs> I don't think we're capable of doing that on time consistently. I just don't. Um, so it's we've been doing this for years, and the fact that we can't get our stuff together means it's it's time to look into, especially now that we've grown it out to this point, get those building blocks in place and um and grow up. Yeah. So so hopefully we'll be able to make things start looking clean, you know, that um and getting that sort of infrastructure in place to make things look safe for for you guys and for people coming to the website so that it like Or people who just want to find a single goddamn episode. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's that's kind of um the things that aren't the Patreon and all of the l- regrets that we're living in, like all the time, more immediately and more desperately. Those are my like more passive regrets. Wow. All right, and Johnny, do you have a bit that you wanted to throw in? Here? Uh, absolutely. What, what do you see for the future of the network? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should say that. Hey. Uh, so, unless you had another, did you I absolutely do not. No, Meg. <laughs> well, since that was, I mean. It was honest and heartfelt, but also kind of a bummer. Is there anything that you're super proud of? Oh. Yeah. Funny enough, that's section four. I swear to God, James. <laughs> uh, that's us, right? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. Pr- I mean, you're proud of me. If you answer anything, you're going to have a mutiny, other than, like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, guys, guys, the people that yeah. I am <clears throat> most proud of, I mean, just off the top of my head, uh, JPC. <laughs> oh, fair. What a, what a guy. Uh, <laughs> Mike Migdahl, Brad Pike, <laughs> Alex Nichols, Luke yeah. Null. Anyone really I have to edit out or completely throw away their episode. I'm so proud of them. <laughs> yeah, obviously we're very excited to have brought you on. I can't well, I can't believe we got to. But I, I can believe it, but it still feels pretty unreal that we have a podcast network. 
it, it feels pretty unreal to me as someone who was like a big fan and listened to you guys and really like admired you on a craftsmanship level as well as just being like one of the best sounding podcasts out there and being consistently interesting and featuring such interesting systems on one shot. Uh, I can just keep going because it's all the real deal. Yeah. Um, to be a part of that now is like phenomenal. It's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I really, I'd say the way the network has grown is what I'm most proud of because it's it's what we wanted. You know, last year we said we want to have new contributors to the network and we want them to reflect more than just white male voices. And we did that, uh, which is good. Uh, and we still have a long way to go and we need to do more. Uh, I, I, I have so many things that I'm going to go through about what we're going to do, but I am so proud of how that's grown. Um, I'm also really proud now of where our Twitch stream is. Uh, I wish that we had more people watching it. Um, but I understand why they didn't, because from the first stream to the most recent one, we've gone through a dramatic change. We couldn't get the audio to sync. The camera angles were terrible. Uh, the stream just wouldn't stay up because the internet wasn't done properly. And now we have a three camera setup uh, with very nice lavalier microphones. And we've gotten to the point where we're talking about how do we want to move forward with developing that content. And I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, I can't believe I didn't think of it beforehand, but it's really expensive and difficult to set up a broadcast studio. Wow. <laughs> this just in. Uh, the other thing that I'm very proud of is similar to your experience with uh, people approaching you about LARP. Um, with campaign, people come up to me all the time and tell me that because of me, they started role-playing and GMing. And, uh, wow, that's a great feeling. Oh, my God, is that a cool feeling. It happens all the time, like daily. You know, that's, uh, so it's, it's cool. So thank you, everybody who does that. Um, but thank you for playing games. That's why, that's literally why we started doing this. Because we want you playing games, and we want you playing more new and interesting games, because there are so many people who create fascinating things and it is a damn shame that more people don't interact with those. You guys all know why role-playing games are valuable. Uh, so the more that we can do to help people discover that, the better. Uh, J so James, would you describe them perhaps as the highest form of art known to mankind? <laughs> I, I, I don't uh, buy I, into hierarchies. Yeah, of art, I disagree. Jim. That's the the other thing about campaign that's cool is that like people make fan art and fanfic and lots of things. And anytime anyone makes a piece of art or then says, "Hey, you guys got me back into making whatever my art is," it like makes me cry. That's the coolest fucking thing. So thank you for doing that. Really, shit, I'm not gonna cry. Cat. <laughs> Uh, so, we, we now come to section four, which is what's next for the network. And some of these bullet points I'm going to hit through really quick, uh, and some of them we're going to spend a little bit more time. And at any time, interviewers and Johnny, uh, <laughs> feel free to jump in with questions or bits, and we will get into Q&A at the, at the, as we get to the end of the panel. But uh, first, we, we can just jump in any time. I have yeah. to say, I love Leenik. Leenik is like my favorite. <laughs> Always like so sweet. Like so, so willing to be like the, the, the 
sort of comedic relief, but at the same time, he's like also the sweetest and like the most like precious. Um, Can I give it? And darkest and scariest. <laughs> <laughs> the most frightening and and, and, and genuinely messed up. Yeah, there's a lot of pathos. There. I have Can I jump in? The, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> the Empire has a place for you, Lena. I believe you me. I'm looking. <laughs> So, uh, the first thing we have uh, that we're going to be doing is obvious things that is filling in the backlog. If you're somebody who sent me an email and have not received an email back, uh, that's part of the ba- backlog. But Yeah, I really hope that you're going to come to my birthday party. Never going to do that. <laughs> never going to do that. Just got to click yes on the email. Nope. Nope. It's a maybe and you know why. Uh, <laughs> The biggest one that I'm most excited about is the Firefly campaign alternate universe uh, short that we're going to do. Uh, again, like that's something that you guys unlocked at $2,000 in the Patreon. Uh, we are working with one of the line developers, not line developers, but one of the... He, he writes for um, the Margaret Weiss Firefly role-playing game. Uh, P.K. Sullivan, he, he's been on the show. He did oh, Three Rocketeers. Yeah. He, yeah. 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 he did, I mean, barely. He's a <laughs> broken man. He's a broken man now. Uh, but he is going to be creating the characters for us. Um, and because he is super familiar with the system, they are going to have unique abilities that only they will have. One of the things that appealed to me about the Margaret Weiss Firefly is that they had the iconic characters, and they intended you to play the iconic characters. You can create your own, but you're supposed to be, like, the core cast. So once that game is out there, we're going to have those characters with them. So if you want to play Firefly Campaign at home and see where to take those crazy kids next, you will be. So we already have the characters built, right? Nope, that no? is not true. Oh. That is one of the reasons that it but has been held up. I Do not that... make more assumptions. No, l- listen, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I thought no, we had James the characters built that we just didn't have the ship built, and that's what we were waiting on? Nope, that is very wrong. Okay. Uh, <laughs> cool. We, we, don't have, we don't have the characters. Uh, building the ship, actually, not that huge a deal. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, we do need the characters to get built and then to schedule it. Uh, scheduling is always very difficult, but uh, I am very optimistic about this. And PK said that he should have the first draft of the characters back to me by the time Gen Con is over. So I am excited about that. Uh, we will be keeping you guys informed. That's a series that I really, really want to put out because I really like the Margaret Weiss Firefly. So after that... Uh, Better shirt fulfillment. Uh, who here is in the t-shirt club? Just a uh, right, show of hands. So we, we got a couple of you, of you guys. Thank yeah, you yeah, so yeah. much for well, being part of the backbone of the network. That is awesome. The t-shirt fulfillment has been terrible because yeah. we have had to order t-shirts from a separate supplier. They come to our house. They come to my apartment. Yeah. We have to sort through the shirts, match them to the names, then send them through the mail. Sometimes the mail makes mistakes and sends us shirt search back and we have to do that three or four times to get them all out it is a terrible nightmarish mess recently we, we have gone through looked at so many different t-shirt options there are companies that have come to us like i think busted tees was like hey we want to do one shot and campaign shirts and like we didn't really like the way their shirts came out so we didn't go with them and right now we are leaning towards doing shirts through Redbubble. uh I've heard mixed reviews, honestly, from fans with with them. Uh, We ordered in a shirt recently uh, that was a back-to-basic shirt. I ran it through the wash three times. The symbol is still there. Uh, Apart from me positioning it improperly and then figuring out how to do that, post that scenario, 
uh, the actual logo looks good, so I am going to be moving forward with that. Uh, and I know some of you in the audience might be thinking, Redbubble, isn't that a print-on-demand service that uh, operates as a store? Yes, it is. So we will be opening certain shirts for public consumption. For everyone! Uh, so one-shot and campaign merch is on the way. For the people who are in the shirt club going, well, how is my deal special now that, that you're doing things that way? Uh, first of all, there will still be exclusive shirts that only T-Shirt Club patrons get, or the shirt won't be available. Also, the T-Shirt Club will be paying the same $25, and the shirts themselves are probably going to cost closer to $30 or $35 public-facing. That's an expensive shirt, uh, but also Redbubble does not send a lot of money to you when you produce shirts through them. Uh, we want the shirts to support the network in addition to being cool shirts. Uh, the one-shot and campaign logo shirts are going to be pre- priced very low, probably closer to $20 a shirt, and that's because we want everybody, no matter what your economic situation, like if you really, really want a t-shirt, we want you to pay like a reasonable amount for a t-shirt. And if you want to get one of our artist shirts, one of the fancier shirts, uh, then that'll be a little bit more. That system hopefully is going to be fair. And you know what? I honestly hope that we get to grow to the point where it will be reasonable for us to order our own shirts and do them on better materials that work a little bit more artistically. But for now, I think it's going to be a great way to get people the merch that they have been literally beating down doors uh, to get. I get emails about merch and tweets about merch all the time. So that is coming. And because it's Redbubble, you're also going to get, like, leggings and stuff, too. Redbubble has, like, a crazy amount of stuff that you can get. I am very excited about that. Um, so, and as to whether or not they're going to be backstory modifier talking tabletop shirts, uh, that's something that I will need to work out with these lovely people. (laughs) But to launch, and I think this will be very soon after Gen Con, uh, to launch we will have a one-shot shirt, uh, that is the one-shot logo, a campaign shirt that is a campaign logo, and uh, the Back to Basics shirt that you've seen some people uh, have. So, Do they come in V-necks? Uh, actually, Redbubble allows you to pick the style of Thank shirt God. that you want and the material that you <laughs> want you. and the color that you want. So Vesters? Uh, no Vesters yet. Not yet. That's, you're gonna you have, have to, to take it up with Redbubble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crop tops? Crop tops? Uh, here's the beautiful thing about shirts. You can make any shirt a crop top. <laughs> All you have to do is believe. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Kimonos. Uh, Good question. Actually, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I actually don't know the story in kimonos, but like dresses, yes. Uh, Phone cases, yes. Like there's a huge amount of crazy, dumb, awesome things. Could you you name all of them? Uh, No, I can't, nor am I interested in doing that, Johnny. But thank you. Uh, So, yes. Uh, Shirt Club, uh, yes. We did that. Okay. Streaming! The one-shot stream! Uh, so, Patrick and I have taken a look at things. Now that we like where our production values are, uh, we're going to be moving forward and doing interesting things with it. Uh, we found that there wasn't a huge response to most of the board games that we put up. Uh, I still want to give it a shot with board games, because board games are a huge part of gaming, and they're something that we don't cover and I don't have any time to play board games, and literally that's the only way I'll get to do it, is if I have to do it for one shot. Uh, 
So we're going to be moving into the campaign-style story-focused board games, uh, like Pandemic Legacy. Uh, for that, you know, we want to get a consistent cast that can finish it out and actually play all those games with us. Uh, we are also probably going to make a run at Imperial Assault uh, and the Ghostbusters game. Uh, so I'm, I'm very, very excited about those. Uh, the next up, Pat O'Rourke is currently developing a untitled Twitch project uh, that is going to be a dungeon crawl. Uh, and it's going to be an interactive dungeon crawl with the audience, where there will be a consistent cast of players, and the audience gets to create rooms in the dungeon. So... Uh, you will be able to submit uh, different suggestions of things to be in the dungeon. Uh, Patreon backers who are like at the $15 level, like the Dear Minoc level, you're going to be able to submit bigger things and more interesting things. But we will have something that everybody, even those who are not able to contribute something to the network, everybody will be able to get involved with it. Uh, I'm very excited about it. I hope I get to play on it, but who knows? Pat is putting together a really great group of people. I think one of the players is going to be Carlos Luna, who was on the stream recently. Uh, he's just a very sweet person, a, a great dude. I, I can't wait to see him on the channel. Uh, then... Uh, as far as new projects, it's good that Kat's coming back into the room for this. Uh, we have gotten the comment before, hey, one shot and campaign, what, what we have come to know your network for is actual play. Uh, why don't you have new actual play projects coming in? You've got all these interview projects, not so much actual play. Uh, the reason is, we are searching for somebody to host that. It's impossible for Katarai to take on the burden we just can't. of hosting another show at this point. But uh, we mentioned before we, we really want to get a person of color on our network. And what a better way to introduce a person of color to our network than have them host a show uh, that is a new actual play show. It's a difficult thing to look for because you're looking for somebody who's willing to take on the responsibility of, like, man, <laughs> dedicating a large portion of their life to talent searching the other people that you're going to be doing this really huge time commitment thing with, learning whatever system or, like, really grokking the, the system, the setting, coming up with the concept. It's it's a lot of work to just ask of somebody. Um, and and we know so many talented performers in Chicago who we think would fit the bill, but they are also all very successful in their own way. Like Allie Barthwell is somebody who's like, yeah, I'd love to get into more role playing games, but she like literally sec she works for Second City. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, a, like it's, it's like three steps down and then falling in a ditch to then <laughs> to work for us. Uh, so. So we need to find somebody uh, who's young, untest untested, but has the motivation and drive to do it. And we don't know how that auditioning process would work. Uh, we've had a powwow with Pat, like, trying to brainstorm ideas. So just know that it's coming, and that's the shape that we want it to take. Um, and once we do that, then we might open the field for other actual play shows. But we need to be sure that we have hit this representation first because guess what? There are people of color in this audience right now. They play games. How many people of color are hosting actual play? I can think of one off of the top of my head that needs to be solved. Right. Uh, and we have the money to solve that problem. So we're going to do it. Yes. We'd like, 
ideally, whoever it is to be someone who's based in Chicago, you know, because we'd like to have a really intimate relationship with them. But that's not the be all and end all. So if it's something that we can't solve within the next six months, well, you'll probably hear from us again in a larger way as we open up the talent search and start talking to people uh, on a larger scale. But that's where we are with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll look out for that. Um <clears throat> It's going to be a show driven by whatever passions that person has. So, like, I, I, I don't even know what game system would it would be, but or even like the format if they're going to. We have things that we think could be really, really cool. Um, but who knows? Yeah, you can't do a show like this unless you're super passionate about it because it consumes so much of your damn life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we need them to be as excited as we were. Uh, the other thing. The quarterly games uh, for our Patreon. Uh, very recently, I did a quarterly game uh, for Ariel Weiss, one of our wonderful backers. Or not quarterly game, that was a birthday game. Birthday game. But I tested out something that has been bubbling in the back of my mind and that I've been playing around with on Roll20 called the Miskatonic Academy. Mm. It is a boarding school for kids in a Lovecraftian universe. Uh, and I ran it in Bubblegum Shoe, and I had so much fun playing Bubblegum Shoe. I have been building this map in Roll20 over the course of, like, two years. That is a room-by-room boarding school. So people who get drafted into the quarterly game and people who opt to do it for their birthday game are going to get a room in this boarding school. They will create a character that goes to the school... And that will be part of a living universe that people will be able to experience uh, through episodes that we broadcast in Miskatonic Academy. Right now, I think the place for those is going to be the Secret Archive, though I've been speaking to uh, people who will do one-shot episodes. Those will be more the regular one-shot guests, like improvisers and and uh, special games or you know whatever personality guest. Uh, don't want to reveal those names because I'm too excited about who has expressed interest in it. Um, but yes, that is going to be a fun thing that we're going to do. And that brings us to Hero's Journey Season 2. Huzzah! Jim, uh, first of all, thank you for doing Hero's Journey Season 1. Uh, it is literally one of the reasons that we brought him onto the network, because it was such a brilliant idea. But... I believe you were too busy. Is that it? Yeah, I, I mean the reality of running a weekly podcast as well as doing a rather uh, <laughs> running a weekly podcast as well as running a publishing company and doing a Kickstarter and writing a game as well as writing a second game <laughs> and selling a board game to another publishing company and working a job and still wanting to sleep uh, at least a couple hours a night is doing another full-time weekly podcast while it was admirable of me to try. It was just uh, reality not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he recently came to us and was like, hey. He gave us a gift. Yeah. You have you have this brand. What, what do you want to do with it? Um, and for a while, we were like, okay, we need to do this again because it's a great idea uh, and we want to expand on that. But we didn't know what to do. Until our friend, uh, who I will announce now, Jess, the angry artist. Uh, Yay, who, Jess! Yeah, shoot you. Yeah, you, yeah, you can stand up if you want. Jess! Uh, yeah. So, Jess... I'm going to talk about it. Uh, Jess recently uh, announced to me that she was going to start GMing her first campaign. Yay! Yay. <laughs> And that that campaign was going to be Edge of the Empire. Um, so she asked me for some advice, and I 
like a fool, started giving it to her uh, until James was like, what are you doing? We could record that! Because <laughs> uh, he's a monster. Yeah. Um, so we're going to. Um, uh, so yeah, it, we. I have already done the first interview asking Jess, you know, what she wants from it, uh, what she's trying to learn, and where she wants to take it. Uh, Kat and I are going to tag team this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to take on different lessons that we think uh, should be involved in it. And so season two is going to be a broader perspective because Kat and I have very different ideas. Kat is a super story focused person who really believes in driving at the most perfect story. And I just know that there's got to be kissing in it somewhere. <laughs> right? I mean, come slightly on. Different. Slightly different. Yeah, we have slightly different so approaches. A couple of bit and bits <laughs> and shopping, right? Yeah. There's got to be a lot of that. So That sounds like the perfect story to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's going to be a little different than, than the Hero's Journey Season 1. Uh, let me just make a note because I'm I, I'm a bad, bad person and don't think about things uh, outside of my own mind. Um, for those that listened to the original Hero's Journey uh, that happened with Emily uh, where she ran her very first game at L5R. Uh, Emily is actually here in the room with Yay. us. If Emily would stand up as yeah, well. Emily, please. So if you want to catch up on anything and, and hear about all of her experiences that you didn't hear on Hero's Journey, she will be coming out as well to the meet and greet so you can speak with her as well. And please do listen to Hero's Journey Season 1 because they're going to be vastly different types of GM advice. And, and definitely uh, if you are thinking of GMing and haven't done that yet uh hero's journey is a great way to sort of guide yourself through that process it can be intimidating but it doesn't need to be and for everything else we'll have your back with that i will accidentally close the itinerary that i had okay the final thing critical success and then we can get to q a and these people can stop listening to me drone on uh critical success hey y'all unlocked that patreon goal (laughs) he's been bless your heart if you think i can't use (laughs) y'all uh you you unlocked the patreon goal for me to do critical success I did not understand how much time I would be getting by adding that extra day, which is no time at all. (laughs) Those are audio essays, and it took quite a bit of effort that I didn't even realize I was doing, and I mostly worked on that when I was single, Uh, (laughs) and I'm not single anymore, so a lot of time has to go to other social things. So with Critical Success moving forward, I want to do it in a seasonal basis, and we are going to be doing it through a video series. It's probably going to be a thing that I'm going to record over the course of a couple weeks, and then we'll be meeting out over the course of, like, you know, uh, maybe a 10-week run or something like that. Uh, And the other thing will be streams. Streams are a little bit easier to do, and they allow, that allows you guys to ask questions and be actively involved in that. So it, the future of Critical Success is going to be more video content. I think it's easier to share videos than it is to share podcasts. It's not as easy to keep up with videos. Um, I, I do understand that. So for those that we can, we're going to be exporting audio. The other note is I'm going to be stepping away from doing Critical Success's interviews because there are already three Three. people on the network (laughs) who do interviews. Not enough. Yeah. No, we're we're killing it. You you come on. Yeah, I I can sit down. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's it for Critical Success, and that's it for our Where's the Network Headed announcements. Uh, So with that, 
I can open up the floor to questions. Uh, right here in the front. So you can all answer this question, but I'd like Jim to answer this question oh, first. <laughs> so as all panels come to an end... <laughs> 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 so were so will your lives. <laughs> and as you go down, there you go. Life, Thank you, Kat. What do you want your last podcast to be? Not what you think it will be, but what what do you want it to be? Okay, um, let me start by saying that is a masterfully phrased question. Um, The intelligence and thought that went into putting that together is... How about you repeat the question you're so damn proud of? I don't know if I can remember it. Um, The the question is, what what do we want our last ever podcast to be? Um, I think maybe just for time to get some other questions, you want me, I guess I'll just answer this maybe, and then we can move on. Uh, Otherwise, five of us is going to eat up the whole time. Um, what do I want my last podcast ever to be? I want it to be uh, the absolute uh, pinnacle of podcasting. Um, that's, I mean, honestly, good. That's what it is. I, I want to, I want to sit in front of the microphones for an hour, and you constantly to laugh. I want you to cry. I want you to feel empowered. I want you to fear fear. I want you to feel disgust. I want you to feel every gambit of emotions there is to feel that all wraps up in one pinnacle moment that you realize. My life was complete because I listened to podcasts. Ew. <laughs> I think we can all agree that it was mega gross answer. <laughs> that's it. That's that's the whole story. Can, can, can I? Yeah, yes, please. please. I didn't mean to cut everyone off. No, no, no. Um, my my dream subject for the show. Sorry, should I be speaking louder? Um, Speak into the mic. Pull that a little bit closer to oh, it. Lower it. Hello. Oh, that's fine. Um, my uh, my dream subject it would be to interview uh, Avery McDonough. She has stepped away from gaming to work on other awesome things, and I respect so much when people make decisions like that in their life about what's really important and and what nourishes them and what feeds them and and what's what is worth their time and energy. So I like respect that so supremely, but. Uh, I mean, her work has meant so much to me. Her games have, like, changed so much for me. So my, like, my dream podcast that if I could, like, end, end the show on the, on this one and it would be my last ever would, would be an interview with her. Wait, have you heard the rumors about her coming About back? a Monster Heart second edition, mm-hmm. maybe? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> Your answer wasn't Good very gross or self-fulfilling. <laughs> uh, would Megan or Johnny like to answer that? I would like to spend seven or eight years uh, developing like a perfect podcast to put on the network, and then I would want to die immediately after the first episode drops. <laughs> I'm so sad that Bubblegum Boys is going to destroy you. Um. <laughs> the uh, oh gosh, well the an article about myself that'd be wild. <laughs> So was this supposed to be the last, like, the last episode of the podcast that I do currently? Because I was imagining more a hundred years in the future when no one is listening to podcasts anymore. Yeah. To make some complete, yeah, but to make some (laughs) completely, the the very opposite of uh, Jim's idea, I guess, is to make the most um, unlistenable podcast possible (laughs) by reviewing breakfast cereals because that makes excellent audio. So, (laughs) sorry. 
<laughs> no, like, we can do that tomorrow morning. Oh, we're gonna. Yeah, okay, alright. We're on that war with that. I like radio dramas, it's why I got into this. Yeah, I just want to make more of those. Uh, you know, obviously, I think, like, I don't know how long it would take three, four hundred episodes from now. Campaign has to end. And I think that very last week of bike, you know, that no. last day of- <laughs> 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 It's going to feel so oh, good when we get off Findar. Oh, yeah. Never. Oh, okay. Never. Uh, uh, and yes, that will be 600 hours <laughs> that will represent a week. <laughs> uh, next Nailed question, it. please. Yes, next question. Um, in, the, in the back on this side, there's a hand uh, going up. Hun, can yeah, you see yeah, who I'm... You, yes, you, you. 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 Yeah. All right. So we got the true story of how Modifier joined the network. Oh, boy. Would you like a little more? Oh, yes, of course, Dan. I can share the email. That makes- <laughs> <laughs> Dan, no, Dan get, if get you're going to do that, you got to come up, up to the mics. you got to come so, up to the mics. Um, <laughs> listeners at home, Dan is going to come up here and read the email that Megan sent him after the One Shot oh, Network shit. had accepted her pitch, <laughs> followed by up. tears. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm so afraid. You. Oh, okay. I can't believe she sent an email. September 28th, 2015 at 4.43pm Megan Dornbrook sent the following email (laughs) What the fuck? That checks out, yeah. Beautiful. Uh, More questions? More questions! questions. Uh, The question. Oh, oh, oh. Jim has a question. I do have a question. Yes, you, sir. Yes. Um, I'm an educator. I teach, and I don't actually have a full time teaching in yet, but I taught summer school, and I did my very first time uh, running a uh, game session with my students. And I'm wondering if you have any advice for getting young people into role-playing Oh, that's that's an interesting question. The question was, uh, do we have advice for getting young people interested and invested in role-playing games? Uh, so, Kat, did you want to take this one? You are... Oh, can we clarify, like, the age group? Um, I was playing with uh, high school kids. So right. High school freshmen, but I teach middle school through high school. Cool. Well, what about you guys? Um, I, I would say system matters a lot. Yeah. Um, and so find something that is um, thematically relevant to them. If they're teenagers, you know, teenagers can play GURPS. Like, it's it, don't worry about the sort of developmental level. So I would say find something that is, in terms of genre or theme, really appealing. I had an amazing experience um, playing a role-playing game with my younger sister when she was about 17, and we played Cat. And Cat was... Great! It was something that she thought was really fun and cool and whimsical. So, um, so think about a system that's going to support something that's thematically going to appeal to them. Something that I've seen like a lot of kids in comic stores really, really like the look of is Mouse Guard, and there is a great role playing system for that. Um, so, like, uh, bring in books with flashy covers and see what appeals. I think is a great way to to see if there's a um, interest there. Uh, Meg, 
you, you have like li- librarian background yeah. stuff, so are there? Um. Um, yeah, actually, and I was just at a panel a couple hours ago about uh, kids playing and GMing and doing all that sort of stuff. So there are some great games and systems out there for all different age groups. But I think the the biggest takeaway that I had that I totally agree with, even with adult players, is making sure that they feel invested in whatever system you're playing. I think that's how I kind of fell out of it when I first started playing in like high school, college. Was it was a thing that was happening like at me by the the person running the game and I was just like alright whatever you say man um, by asking them questions and having them help build the world you're in and the the rules of it and everything that you're doing I think that's super super important so like give them stakes um, yeah and, and definitely for me this is general advice for anybody who wants to get someone invested in role playing games find their interests um, and it can be a broad common interest like Game of Thrones is friggin' huge right now. And I imagine even teenagers love Game of Thrones. Uh, that is a cool universe to tie them into. Uh, Star Wars. Uh, people love Star Wars. Uh, it's find, fine. find things that... There, Pokemon. There's a, a Oh, Pokemon. Star Wars is about shopping and kissing. Of course <laughs> people love Star Wars. Uh, but there's a, there's a, I hear a pretty cool Pokemon system, um, that people, that there's one of two online, um, but there's a, a roleplay system like, but, but, I don't know, Pokemon goes out there right now and all I want to do <laughs> is, <laughs> all I want to do is roleplay Pokemon. It's all I think about. Um, so I bet you that your kid, your, your kids are also thinking about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. You tore us, but you all just missed it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do Pokemon Tabletop We should. We, we should, but oh, yeah. there are two systems out there. I don't know which one, and I have to oh, read them. Is better. Yeah, one is better, so that's great. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, since it's teens, I think a rebellion angle, really good way to go. Uh, what's the... What's the uh, misspent Youth! Misspent yes, youth. Yes, there, yeah. there may or may not be a new edition of Misspent Ooh. Youth coming out soon, so you'll be able to get your hands on a copy. I may or may not have some material in that uh, thing, depending oh. on how things shake out. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Misspent Youth is a game where you play rebellious teens in a fucked up future, fighting the man. Um, it's, uh, it's great for all ages, but um, but that could be really fun if that's something they kind of glom onto. Yeah, thinking about this election specifically as a teen, there would be a lot for me to rage about. Uh, so just create an outlet for for anti-authoritarian rage. You know, it's super healthy, and if that's happening at the tabletop rather than anywhere else, that's a healthy way to explore that. So you know, know your audience, know their interests, and find a game that suits those. Uh, don't. Don't try to fit a square peg into Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and their favorite system and their favorite favorite topics may not be yours, so you know, just be aware of that. All right. Uh, questions. Uh, a question assisted by that phone. I've been seeing that question go up a lot. Yes. James, why is Reflections the best kissing game known to man? Thank you. I, I think it's uh, the, yes, question. the question. Oh, yes. Oh yeah. The the, the question was uh, why is Reflections the best kissing game known to man? And uh, real I quick, think Reflections. That's that game that's on Kickstarter right now for fifteen dollars that you can back that has two weeks left. Is that the one? No, wait a minute, Jim. Are you, this game has contributors like Ken Height and John Wick. I think I've heard that. Yeah, that can't be just fifteen dollars. It's only fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars. I'm in hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why is it the best? Because people place a lot of 
importance on things like duels in cinema and whatnot. Uh, but has anybody in this room ever seriously dueled anyone before in their entire life? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not even joking. So, so rare not. that you would ever find yourself in a situation where you're actually going to kill someone. But you know situations where you have had that intense emotion, uh, not knowing what's going to happen, and feeling like your entire life is hinging Damn on the it. next moment? Jim, you made a game I wanted to make. I wanted to make a game called Five Times They Did and One Time They Did and you made it! And it's called Reflections! <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> and it's on Kickstarter now! <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Can, can I actually just real quick on on this share the, the most genius? And I wish I could remember who who sent this because I've gotten a bunch of different people have sent me alternative setting ideas for reflections. And someone sent me the most genius thought I think anyone has ever had. Definitely better than me. Um, and that was a setting for reflections where it is the DMV driver's test, oh, and yes. one person plays the student and one person plays the instructor, and they obviously have a past that has led to this test as the. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm scrapping the entire samurai. <laughs> wow! Please tell me that's going to be in the game, Jim. Like I legitimately think I'm going to put it in that's there. Cool. It's that good, <laughs> man! Wow! Oh, I will not credit who actually sent. I will make no. <laughs> I can tell you for sure if that setting is made, it will be on one shot. Um. Uh, questions? Yeah, questions. Questions. Total a hat. Sweet. Okay, this is a really good question. This is really just like a heartfelt thanks to the One Shot Network Aww. because I'm a new game designer. My and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna mention my booth number. Okay. Okay. I'm not plugging. <laughs> you you can uh, if it's a bit though. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who listens to this, I'm sorry you missed Gen Con. Okay, <laughs> help you. But um, seriously, the you, you the network itself. My voice carries, so I'm fairly certain you don't even have to. Unless you want me to. Yeah, step up, step up. Right. Step up. Sorry. You. I'll try not to cry, because I've almost cried three times today. So. Oh. Hey, Gen Con. Emotional period. So tall. Jesus. I don't, you're going to need a bigger mic. <laughs> we are. Uh, all right, so my name is Mark Richardson. Um, uh, several of these people know me, have interviewed me. I've run my game on One Shot Network with Comcast problems. <laughs> um, but what I really just wanted to say is, is that uh, what I really appreciate about One Shot Network is you take a chance on young indie, well, okay, I'm old, but it, uh, indie s- smaller press designers who are creating their first game, creating little things, <coughs> doing uh, tiny larks no one's heard of, doing uh, cool games that are ambitious, that, that are going to make people angry because they're like, you can't make a game about that, and you do a whole goddamn podcast on it. I hope you can swear on this. Yeah. Um, and I'm so Canadian that you think "God damn" is a swear. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so, but I, I just really wanted to express that, uh, like, the, it's very difficult for the community as a whole to to sort of say that, and it, it is so hard for designers to get their games out there and. Uh, it, it makes such a difference to so many people. So uh, thank you from all of the designers in the community. Oh, thank you. Can I address that just real quick? 
Let me just address that real quick. Um, as uh, I guess I'm going to speak for one shot here for a second. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that, but um, and, you are and, not. And I want to. <laughs> I, I want to honestly give give the thank you back to to the community um, because I mean you, you you thank us for showcasing things that inspire us. I mean, not a single person here other than Johnny joined started doing tabletop because of this podcast. We started doing we started playing tabletop and then we found the podcast. There are games that inspire us. There are designers that inspire us. Uh you didn't plug your own thing, but damn it, I'm going to do it. Uh the game you made Headspace Mark is a phenomenal piece of design. For the people, for the people that know me and talk to me off mics, they know that I rail against almost every single game that's not L5R. Uh, and, and honestly, the, the, the games that, that you specifically, Mark, made are incredibly well designed. They are genius in what they do. And, and you're not alone. I mean, that's, that's what One Shot does. It, it, it brings on games, it brings on designers, it brings on people that are passionate and interested in things that inspire us. So thank you back to you all. Just so you know, the only reason is I've never played L5R. That's what I mean. Get out of this room. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to Canada. <laughs> All right. Uh, more emotionally impassioned questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you, sir, in the, in the plaid. So I had this conversation with Alex uh, yesterday, but... I'm a physicist, and that had, that training, that education, is really flavored the way I see things, the way I run my games. So, is there some aspect to your education or your training or job you had previously that you generally haven't talked about in podcasts that changes the way you run games or the way you see things? Interesting, interesting. Uh, and I, I, I'm going to assume that this is for the whole panel. Uh, the question is, is there any specific training or, or job experience or anything in our lives in our past that affects the way that we play or run games? I feel equipped to answer this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I came in. I, I had played a game or two before uh, I started playing campaign, but not much. Um, so I definitely came into it. Uh, I'm an improviser, so I came into it as more of a performance uh, than a game. And, and the fact that... Uh, Edge of the Empire does lend itself very well to storytelling, and and Cat is um, p- pretty interested in storytelling. I think that's uh, what fair assessment. That doesn't sound like me. Oh, never. Then uh, yeah. next next answer. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no. So so um, that's been great to be able to just tell this story together. And as an improviser, usually. Um, when I'm performing, I'll do one character for a, a scene that's two or three minutes and then never ever do that again. So it's been really fun too to be able to just, uh, keep, uh, essentially improvising as this character over and over again and to see him, uh, grow in ways that I, I never expected. Um, tr- truly, I had no idea <laughs> all the stuff that was gonna happen. Um, <laughs> so, and it, and it just, it's, it's just been so exciting to, to do that. Um, that's all. <laughs> Um, my my background is uh, in kind of a weird mix of theology and counseling psychology. Uh, there was a, a a period of my life when I, I could have been a, uh, ended up being a chaplain and didn't for various reasons. Um, so in terms of theology, I think about stories, I think about myths, I think about archetypes, I think about the beliefs and values that drive people. Um, but but really, it's it's the counseling psychology side of things that um, that really drives how I game. It it drives how I do the podcast. Um, just in terms of 
connecting to people, eliciting, um, el- eliciting what matters to people, what they're thinking about, bringing them out of their shell if they're shy or, or, um, you know, bringing them down, uh, to, uh, to a, a different level if they're, if they're really, really up. Hearing from everyone at the table is so, so important to me. So I, that, that kind of influences how I game and, and interview. Jim. I was just say I was born a samurai. No, <laughs> no, violence uh, going. Uh, so yeah, I mean, for me, I wear my influences on my sleeve for the most part. It's it's improv, improv, uh, and I already answered that way. <laughs> yeah, are so deeply interlinked that I, I know there are so many improv scholars who who would hate for me to say it, but role playing games are improv. They are sophisticated improv forms. So much more sophisticated than the forms that we use on stage <laughs> that even people who have never trained in improv can see greater success than we do on stage uh, through these games. It's a truly, truly impressive thing uh, that that came out of nowhere, came from people who were just trying to create tiny war games on sand tables in basements. That is definitely an influence I have, but the other one... Uh, that I know Cat has is fan fiction, man. Uh, reading fan fiction and recontextualizing characters and seeing the way they work when they interact with people they normally wouldn't, uh, that is a huge part of what role-playing is. Uh, when somebody writes fan fiction, they're essentially role-playing with themselves. And that's actually when people write fiction, they're doing that too. Uh, so that is definitely heavily influenced in what I think it is okay or acceptable to do at the table. Like, you know, you saw in the new Minera episode, uh, Brett went for that very standard choice of, oh, he's playing a girl, that character's hot. So I leaned into that. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of hot, and uh, I'm going to get close to you for the rest of the session, and I'm going to seclude us off in spaces where we're one-on-one, so you keep having to hit on this person, and she's not going to turn you away right away. Uh, and it, it's fun to play with that. It's fun to play out those fiction tropes that I see all the time. And I think that I lack that shame because <laughs> I, I grew up reading fan fiction and really loving it. Uh, so as, as far as career and other life experience to informing my gaming, um, I've worn a lot of hats and done a lot of different things, but I think uh, I LARPed recently. Um, and Alex and I talked about that. And I think... Uh, I, I was put in a position of a of, a, of an NPC of a, of a sort of a co GM. I was helping people, you know, facilitating their experience, and that really, I came home and I think we talked about it on Twitter a little bit. Uh, it really reminded me of uh, some of the work that I did as a librarian, uh, where you know you're trained to assist people. Uh, they have a goal in mind, like they want to get somewhere, they want to find something or make something, and and that always really appealed to me, being able to be the person who had these resources and knew what their options were or could come up with creative solutions for them, Um, so that uh, wasn't a connection I made until very recently, but I think that that has driven the way that I play a lot of games. Um, I I really like doing that for people. Yeah, I went to school to be a Shakespeare scholar, which was kind of like a multi- like so like there was a lot of acting and english lit and history and anthropology it was kind of interdisciplinary there we go <laughs> um so so there's a lot of that but i think the the other thing that comes through useful in a, in a lot of my dming is that i was a project manager 
Um, so a lot of those skills come come through at the table. If anyone ever wants to talk about that, I would love to. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think yeah, I'm... Jim, did you want to... Oh, um, I wasn't really going to answer because my answer is longer than the time we have sure. for this panel. So uh, if anyone wants to know my answer, grab me after. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm going to limit to two more questions. We're already over, but I wanted to yeah. be sure. Yeah, I, I like that even in the one-shots, you manage to keep the uh, things light, uh, even in drama-heavy systems. Have you considered doing more drama-heavy games like similar to L5R and uh, topical systems like, holy crap, Bluebeard's Bride? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, boy, scary, right? Uh, so the question was, uh, we, we keep things light generally on the show. Have we considered uh, doing systems that are more dramatic, uh, like the L5R that we did, like the Bluebeard's Bride that we did? Yes, yes. I, I consider changing things up like that all the time. Like, I want to do Robin Laws's drama system. Uh, mostly the reason that I haven't done more dramatic games uh, is related to the talent pool that I'm drawing from. There are a couple performers that I know are 100% on board to be dramatic, and then there are other performers who feel more comfortable playing to their strength, and that is comedy. Uh, and I don't want... I don't want to bring somebody on the air and have them be uncomfortable. I want them to go on my show knowing I'm going to knock this out of the park. It's a big audience and there's a lot of pressure uh, for that. So I want to make sure it, it goes well. But you haven't really heard me run any dramatic game yet. Uh, and I would love, absolutely love to do that. I would love to do a more serious horror game, too. Uh, it, it's just an opportunity that I haven't had yet, uh, but I I definitely want to do it. Uh, most of the time, it's because there's somebody who's got a stronger drama or horror background that comes onto the show and does it for me, <laughs> and I get to be lazy and just play. <laughs> final uh, question. Final question, right there. Um, I guess first a quick thank you. Um, you guys have made me a better role player and a better game runner, and I owe you a lot for that. Um, I guess uh, kind of a follow-up to that last question, um, I know you're you're waiting to, to uh, talent pool before you start doing more long-form campaign stuff, um, but you all seem like you're, you're storytellers and people who have had stories that you must be dying to tell. <laughs> so is there a system or just a specific story that you really want to get out there as sort of an additional project. Yeah, I mean, definitely I'll say that uh, Miskatonic Academy is something that I've been toying around with. There are people... Oh, yeah, oh, that's right. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> ha thank you! Uh, the question was, uh, is there a story or game uh, that's longer form that has been burning inside us that we feel that we need to tell? Uh, so Miskatonic Academy has been with me for a while, you know, deeply inspired by, like, Gotham Academy and, and stories like Gunna Creek Court uh, that I want to play with. Uh, but there's a game that Kat and I have been talking about doing for literally years, uh, and the reason that we haven't done it is it requires a third person and a <gasps> gaming system. Uh, who's a fan of Zelda? <laughs> yeah, I figured a lot of people... Uh, so, Zelda has this really cool mythos where Link and Zelda are constantly reborn, and Ganondorf is a constant. He's like an immortal being that's always around and always, you know, getting up to shenanigans and causing trouble. And they have the Triforce divided into power, wisdom, and courage. Uh, 
And wisdom is like this this thing that's like always seen as good and power is this thing that's always seen as bad and courage of course is always good. And it's very arbitrary. It's super arbitrary. <laughs> like why? And it's the same universe. All these stories are happening in the same universe and Zelda, who's got the triforce of wisdom, always gets kidnapped <laughs> even though she knows it's going to happen. <laughs> so uh, we wanted to do a, a, a game playing with that Zelda concept where Zelda decides, no, I'm going to murder Ganondorf before he ever tries to kidnap me. And Ganondorf dies and uh, he gets reborn because that's how his people work. And they smuggle the baby off to the only person who could possibly protect him, and that's Link. Uh, so we want to do that game. So we want to do that game. Uh, there are a lot of cool things that we want to play around with that, but we need somebody who can play Ganondorf, uh, and that requires somebody with a deep, gravelly voice, uh, and who is fully on board for this. Oh, don't need- worry, James. I've already said yes. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, like, we need a role-playing system that, that we think would work for that. Because it's Zelda, it's got to be about dungeons and puzzles and level design. Kat has sort of uh, stepped up and said that she really wants yeah, to I'm run gonna it. Yeah, I'm going to jam this. Uh, and, you know, it would just be a three-player game total. Uh, with perhaps maybe uh, some people jumping in as side characters. It's... A project that is going to be really specific when we find the game and when, when Ganondorf appears. Maybe, maybe Ganondorf. It would be cool if Alex was Ganondorf. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, but that's something that we were also thinking that if we could, depending on the legality, we'd release as a limited run pay for thing. We're not sure. Um, the other thing that, like, I have a lot of campaign stories that I want to tell, well, but, like, as side projects, but they're all things that, like, as we get to do them, they'd be Patreon things. I can't announce them or do anything with them until we do the Firefly one and then we continue to progress. That's me. Um, This isn't super one-shot related, but um, I've been working on a game for a couple of years now that is uh, Hack of Dread. Yes! That I'm I'm tentatively calling Tension. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about will they or won't they relationships, and it's in which the the Jenga Tower represents sexual tension between two characters, and and um, and the object is for the tower to fall over at the right moment. (laughs) So I feel like if I say this on a podcast that's going on the internet, it will drive me to finish it. Um, I um, I'm hoping to have something playable for Metatopia this year. Yeah. Uh, So. Keep your eyes open for that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Dread kissing. Kissing is the ultimate form of storytelling. <laughs> the highest form? The highest form. Okay, I'll K- take it. Kissing is the highest art form to, to humanity, really. And I mastered that, too. Um, <laughs> Again, Jim, I gotta commend you. Super gross. <laughs> the, uh... Uh, I, I'm I'm a person that I see story everywhere, kind of in everything. Um, you know, when you ask, are there certain stories that I want to tell that I haven't told? I have lists, literal literal lists that are both written and typed of stories that pop into my head. I actually, I, I, I'm part of a short stories writer group that I get a lot of these out of my head. So every month I'm writing multiple short stories. I do NaNoWriMo every year, uh, and uh, you know, do, do full length novel writing as well. Um, but to give two specific examples that are related to table 
tabletop. Uh, there's one that is a game that I want to run, um, where it is, I, I started to run this as a campaign and, uh, because of, of bad GMing, I know it's a shock, it can happen. Uh, bad GMing, it, it, it did not, not go well, but I think I know what I did wrong. And that is a campaign where, uh, you know, standard fantasy, the, the players are a, you know, a, a group of warriors that are going to fight for the country. Uh, the country is under attack, actually under an invasion from another country, and they've hit the point where they know they're gonna lose. The country will not survive. And they're having to decide how are we going to do our last stands, how are we going to do our last fight. And then we get even more complicated because there's a lot of issue as far as transformation of information. So while there is one group that are the actual PCs, there are four or five other people involved in the game that can only send information to them via notes. So at the beginning of every play session, they get a list of notes finding out what's happening in different parts of the country, and they have to make decisions based on, well, do we want to send our reinforcements here, where our friend isn't sending us notes for six months and is desperate, or else they're going to die, or do we have to send it over here? And if a section gets taken over where one of the friends, all of a sudden, they just stop getting notes, and they'll never know who the other players were, but they're a live player somewhere. So that is a game that I uh, am, am attempting to run. Uh, another story that I want to do, um, just to give you a, a little peek into um, the next game after Reflections gets done and finished and kickstarted, uh, it came from a story concept that I'm super excited about, and that is, uh, the, the, the tentative working title is Satanic Panic. <laughs> and we all know the Satanic Panic era when, uh, of course, Tabletop, as we, we know, was being accused of a whole bunch of things. Well, let's play a game where it's completely true. <laughs> <laughs> tabletop, tabletop players are actually summoning demons. They are the worst possible thing to the world, and you play government agents that go around and break up rings of tabletop players. <laughs> that's the next game that's going to happen after Reflections. Do you have any plans to get the Darkest Dungeon license? The, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in talks with Jack Chick. <laughs> uh, Meg, Meg, anything for you? Um, yeah, I, as far as stories that I want to tell, um, I have been running a game for the last year or so in the Dragon Age universe that has been really fun, but there's something about Dragon Age that everything is a big sweeping epic, and I'm, I'm curious to tell smaller stories in that universe, because we get glimpses into things through those games, um, the, the groups of people that exist in that world, the, the kind of things that they do. I'm really curious to just take small little snapshots uh, and look at that. So that We'll get around to that at some point. Um, but I also have this next year, I'm supposed to be working on my thesis. So we'll see how that goes. Um, where, which is going to be a game, not a tabletop game though, a video game that is a uh, part tactical RPG, part visual novel about magical girls. Um, so yeah. So but which yeah. sort of magical girls? What's their theme? What's their theme? Oh, cat. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, everyone's first magical girl team, I feel like, is, uh, Zodiac. <laughs> so, uh, I had a meeting with my advisor and she said, how many characters are you gonna have? And I went, don't say 12, cause she's not gonna <laughs> like that. Um, so it's not gonna be that many to start with. Um, but the idea is that the more you, or the, the choices that you make in exploring their relationships affect the way they work as a team, uh, in battle. So, yeah, that's what I'm working on. And Johnny? Yeah. <laughs> are you, do you have any stories that are, are you know, um, so to it's get out of you? Not, not gaming related, but I, 
uh, I work with um, Liz Anderson, who uh-huh. you've heard on uh, some podcasts. I work with her a lot, um, and we write really dumb shows that we perform in Chicago. Really and James cool has shows. been in one, uh, and wh- hopefully another one coming up. Oh um, yeah! But we we tell stories about things that are total trash, but that we still love a lot. Um, so the one that James was in was about. Um, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Ghost Adventures, but it's a bunch of like bros who yell at ghosts. Um, <laughs> so we we did a show about that, and we're gonna uh, bring that back, do do a, a sequel to that show. We just did a show about um, like weird uh, European like early two thousands pop music, um, and I want to. I don't know if I've officially told anyone but Liz about this, uh, so don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, but I, uh, it won't leave this room. Okay, cool. Um, we, I want to do a show uh, next year about um, a prom, but where uh, it's an actual prom that everyone can attend, and then the show happens like at the prom. <gasps> Yes. Um, it's uh, yeah. It's uh, it's weird, but I think it can work. So uh, come to Chicago in a year. <laughs> okay. Okay. With that. With that. Uh, we have run late, and our party is already ongoing. The people from the Roll Twenty uh, development team are already there. So we're we're going to have to stop the show. Thanks everybody so much. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming. Uh, Thank you. And 